A couple of years ago, I don't know if anybody remembers this now, but there was a famous YouTube video that went viral online and it was titled, Why I Love Jesus But Hate Religion. Does anybody remember that one? This passage always reminds me of that, that viral YouTube video. And there was this gentleman who kind of went through this video and he, he talked slash kind of rapped about how Jesus is awesome, but religion and the formal church is very, very bad for a number of, of reasons which he cites. And what's interesting about this, this, this guy's message is that it's very, very, it, it points very well to what the culture at large kind of thinks about organized religion and what the culture at large feels about institutions who claim to say who Jesus is and this is how you should live and this is how you should not live. And I think underneath this is a kind of, it's a rebellion that all of us have, just in our human nature, that is, we don't want somebody telling us how to live. Maybe at our best, and our most humble, we put ourselves under the instruction of a mentor or a coach, or God willing, maybe even our spouse's influence. But it certainly goes against our, our something inside of us that makes us want to be our own master and the one who decides for ourselves what is good and what is evil and how we are going to discern those things and how we're going to live those things out. It's very interesting, this passage, what Jesus does in this conversation with the Twelve and with Peter himself. This is a very, very profound and meaning-packed passage. There's a lot going on. I just like to talk about a few of them and how they relate to us and our relationship with the church. Jesus gives Peter, or he pronounces three things upon Peter. He basically says, Peter, you're the foundation of the church. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, and I'm giving you a legal authority in the eyes of heaven and in the eyes of God to bind and to loose. So I just want to read this passage one more time, what Jesus says to Peter after he rightly identifies who Jesus is. That question, of course, being a matter of debate back then and for the past 2,000 years. Who is Jesus? And Jesus says to Peter when he answers properly, that answer didn't come from you. It came from the Father. 
And the pronouncements of the church still come from the Father. But listen to what Jesus says here to Peter. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter, you are the rock on which I'm going to build my church. This is the first pronouncement and appointment of the Pope, our first Pope, Peter. And eventually, Peter will have successors. And if you listen closely when I do the Eucharistic prayer, in a few minutes here, I'll do Eucharistic prayer one, you can hear the succession of many of these early Popes, Linus, Clement, some of those names. And if we think about just on a very practical level about St. Michael's and this church itself, St. Michael's relies on the Bishop of the Diocese of Joliet, and the Bishop of the Diocese of Joliet relies upon the Pope. And so there is this very direct connection that we have that makes us Catholic and gives us authority that directly goes to Peter's successor. We have a full line, by the way, of all the successors of Peter. We have a pretty decent line of the succession of all of the apostles from now dating back hundreds of years. So our current bishop, we could trace back to him be a, being appointed by other bishops, and you could keep going on and on with that. Eventually that traces back to the Twelve and to Jesus himself. The second point, I think, is really the, the craziest point and, and, and an absurd thing that Jesus says to Peter. He says that he's going to give him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we, always, we always see Peter with the keys, right? When we see him in paintings and statues, he's always carrying a, a, a set of keys. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now the reason this is so crazy that Jesus says he's giving Peter the keys is because almost all that Jesus talks about from the beginning of the, of the four Gospels till the end is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Jesus talks over and over again about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl that somebody found, a precious pearl of great price. And Jesus just goes on and on about the kingdom of heaven. 
I've come to establish the kingdom of heaven. And so, Peter, not Jesus when he's gone, still holding it and kind of giving it to some people, and we can kind of guess who has access to the kingdom of heaven. There's no guessing. Peter has the keys. You don't get access to the kingdom of heaven outside of Peter and his successors, outside of the church. That's it. Jesus says it right here. The kingdom of heaven is many things, but one of the many things that it is, it's, it's a complicated thing to talk about it. It's also very simple in some ways. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus himself. It's Jesus. It's the life of God. It's heaven beginning now and ending when we die and being there forever. So in other words, Jesus is saying, Peter, you're the one who gets to hold the keys that let people access me. We can't access Jesus outside of the church. That might sound crazy, but we cannot. Even if we indirectly access Jesus, even if some person who has never heard about the Lord, or let's say a hardened atheist, stumbles upon a truth and receives some kind of grace from God, unbeknownst to that person, even though it's not in a formal way, that grace is still coming from the church that Jesus established, the Catholic Church. The church has all the treasure of God's graces. The church is the bride of Christ. What happens when a man and a woman get married? They become one flesh. Jesus and the church are one. Peter has access to the kingdom. The third thing that happens is Peter is given the charge to loose and bind. Jesus doesn't say, what I say in heaven, you're going to say on earth. Jesus says, what you bind on earth and loose on earth, it will be bound and loose in heaven. Whoa. This is very important. This is church teaching, which all of us, I would assume, at some point in our lives, if not right now, have issues with in some way. There are many church teachings that we just tend to have a hard time with. And it takes a real humility to submit ourselves to God, to Jesus, especially in the things that we don't like as modern people. How many ways is the church, how many ways is the church considered antiquated in her teaching? teaching on, just to name a few of the hard ones, why aren't women priests? 
why is why can't abortion be allowed in very very uh, outrageous circumstances why can't two men be in union with each other bodily or women or gay marriage in general why can't we as Catholics use artificial contraception all these ways that the church rubs against the modern world and it always has in some way with whatever culture it has existed this, of course, safeguards the church, this power to bind and loose that Peter has, and not falling into a mob mentality, which we get a real taste of these days, social media. The church doesn't just bend its whim to whatever popular notion of the day is, is, is in fashion. We follow Jesus with faithfulness. And Peter is where the buck stops. Pope Francis right now. Last thing I just want to say is that this is really, really good news, what Jesus does here. It's incredibly good news for all of us. I spent, the, I spent a lot of time with my sister and her children. She has three little ones. You'll probably hear me talk about them, and stories and interactions I have with them. She has three that are under five years old. And so a couple weeks ago, I was on vacation with my sister and her children. And one thing that marvels me is how many times my sister or my brother-in-law save my nieces or nephews' lives on basically a daily basis. They're constantly about to die in some way. It's, unbel it's unbelievable. We were on a little beach, and, and it's like, how many times a day would this child potentially be in a, a life-threatening situation between walking out into the road? No, Francis, you can't walk out into the road. You gotta wait for mommy. Walking out into the lake without any type of life preserver or anything or anybody watching them. No, you can't go outside yet. You see them start, what they wake up, open the door and just take a beeline for the lake. You can't do that. They'd eat sugar all the day, all, all day long if they, had, if they had their way. There'd be ice cream in the morning, donuts in the midday. And just keep going like that. The church is our mother. The church is our mother. We always talk about the church's mother. The gates of hell will not prevail against us if we stay under the care of our mother. If we stay with mom, She's going to keep us safe. Mom forms us as we start to get older. She starts to teach us how to live properly. Things to do. There's phrases that we all have from our moms that just stick in our heads the rest of our lives. 
the same thing with our mother church. Go to Mass every Sunday. Go to confession when you've built up enough sins or need to go. Pray every night before you go to sleep. These are ways that our mother forms us. This is wrong. This is right. We talk about Catholic guilt. Not necessarily a bad thing. Our mother forms us. She's a wonderful, wonderful mother. She keeps us safe from dying eternally on a daily basis. She leads us towards life. She loves us so, so much. She is an absolute gift from God, like any good mother. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of establishing a church that is institutional and incarnational. Help us to listen to our mother, the church. Help us to grow in holiness and be formed and have access to you on a daily basis, access to the kingdom and to the treasury which the church holds for us. Continue to give us graces through the church, Lord, and bless all of those who hold positions of authority in the church. Bless all of us parish priests. Bless all of us families, us Catholic families, Lord. Bless our children. Help them to feel at home in the church, to see how much the church loves them and protect them from the gates of hell. We ask this through your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. St. Peter, pray for us.